Good to see you guys. Want to welcome everyone today. Uh, also want to say a big hello to all those joining us online and also all the men and women uh, joining us in our correctional ministry. And we're just believing that God would speak to you right where you're at with exactly what you need to hear as only he can. And so come on, Defiance. Help me welcome my church family today. Come on, let them know. Awesome. Well, today we are in our fourth and final week of our series called Sow and Reap, where we've been studying this law that we see throughout the Bible that says what a person sows, they reap, that our actions bring results. And so the question that we've been kind of asking each and every week is, what are we sowing? What are we sowing in our relationships? What are we sowing uh, with our words? What are we sowing with our thoughts? And what are we sowing with our finances? Because if we don't like what we're reaping, then maybe we just might want to think about changing what we're sowing. And uh, I just want to remind us of our key thought for this entire series is simply this. What you keep is all you have. What you sow, God multiplies. How many of us know it's better in God's hands than it is in our hands? And today I want to kind of close up shop on this series and kind of tie a bow on it by studying this story in Scripture that's arguably one of the greatest giving moments ever made. But when it comes to the actual amount that was given, one of the smallest. It's found in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Let's read it together and then we'll kind of unpack it. Says Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. You see, they gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had. The title of the message today is, You're Stronger Than You Think. You're stronger than you think. Come on, help me preach a little bit today. Look at the person next to you and just tell them you're stronger. Come on, go ahead and tell them you're stronger than you think. Have you ever surprised yourself with your strength? Like, have you ever done something that you didn't think you could do? I was reminded of the very first time that I did something or was introduced to something called CrossFit. Have you heard of CrossFit, anybody? This functional training, and I like to work out and challenge myself, but I'm used to more of like the old school weight training where you do like one body part per day and like maybe you do one set and then you like rest and take a nap and get a drink and recover and then maybe at your own leisure and pace do another set and then you leave after that. Two sets and you're done. And, but, but CrossFit is where they combine weight training and cardio. Who knew? What is this sorcery that we have come up with? I have no idea. Uh, I don't recommend it, but I have a buddy who uh, is a diehard CrossFitter. He's, he's in, like a level two or three instructor. And, and so he invited me to join him at his CrossFit gym on Memorial Day uh, to join in in a workout they call the Murph. 
Now, I wasn't familiar with this workout at the time, but upon arriving at the gym, my buddy uh, began to tell me that this workout starts with a one-mile run. And I said, one-mile what? Because I don't know about you. I don't run for fun. I don't run for enjoyment. I don't even think I really run. I just kind of fall forward and catch myself for as long as I can. That's how I do it. And then after the one-mile run, then it's followed by 100 pull-ups. I have to pull me up or pull you up. What are we doing? 100 pull-ups, followed by 200 push-ups, followed by 300 air squats, only to finish up with another one-mile run. And I thought to myself, man, that sounds like too much. That sounds like a lot. And I'm kind of thinking about it, and I like working out, so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself. I think... I think I might be able to do this. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but I think I can. And then my buddy goes, oh, yeah, and by the way, you do the entire workout while you are wearing a 20-pound weighted vest. And I don't know about you. I don't need any more weight added on. Like, I'm doing, I'm doing it's hard enough with the weight that I have, and now you want me to wear more weights? And I was like, there's no way I can do it. He started encouraging me, yes, you can, and some of the other gym members there were were encouraging me, and I I don't know if you're familiar with the CrossFit community, but they're very tight-knit. It's almost like a family, and you compete with one another, but you, you, you encourage and you affirm one another. And, uh, and so it's, it's awesome, but for whatever reason, nobody wears shirts. I don't know what the deal is with that. And a lot of them are like ripped up, like they got you know, abs for days. I saw one guy, he had so many abs, he had abs on his back. I'm just saying, it was crazy. And uh, so I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. You guys are encouraging me. I'll do it. And right as we're getting ready to, to start, my buddy looks at me and goes, hey, let me give you a pro tip. Uh, don't, don't try to, to do this first mile. Don't try and run it as fast as you can. Take it kind of slow. Like take a slower pace. And, and then when you get into the, the, the pull-ups and the push-ups and the sit-ups, uh, don't try and do them all at once. Just break it up a little bit. Take it out in chunks. Do like 10 pull-ups, 20 sit-ups, or 20 push-ups, and then uh, 30 air squats, and just kind of break it up in like 10 squats. And then if you have anything left, then you can kind of tear it up for that last one-mile run. And so off we went. And man, it is different running with a 20-pound weighted vest. I'm going to tell you that right now. I didn't think, I didn't realize how much 20 pounds weighed until I tried to run with a 20-pound vest. But I went a little slow, and then I, I got in and started just doing 10 pull-ups and using my legs and feet and buttocks and all this other stuff that I could to get over the ball. Come on, if you've been there. And then I did push-ups, and I got about halfway through, and I'm like, man, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I'm sweating in places I didn't realize I could sweat, but I think I can do this. Like, I'm starting to get a second wind, and I was able to push through it and get to that that last one-mile run, and I went off to run. Man, I think I was going like half a mile an hour. I mean, I was barely going. I was shot, and but I just kept going, gutted it out, and then as I came to the finish line, I fell over uh, the finish line to complete it, and then I laid there for the next month and a half. I was so <laughs> tired, but your pastor, come on, your pastor completed it, and I did it in, in just under one hour, like 59 minutes and 59.999 seconds. Uh, side note, have you ever done a workout where like uh, your, your body still hurt and your muscles were still sore like a week later? That was my experience with the Merv. But after doing that and walking away from that experience, I, I thought to myself, you know what? There's always more inside of us than we realize. Come on, you're stronger than you think. In fact, let me say it this way if you're taking notes, and that is simply this, that the struggles of today are producing the strength you need for tomorrow. 
Come on, the struggles you're going through today. Someone had, we had a word for someone today, right? The struggles that you're facing today, they're producing the strength that you need for tomorrow. But the key is to this, that if we want to get stronger, we have to get comfortable with exposing our weaknesses. Like the, I don't get too many amens on that. The, the only way that we're going to get stronger, guys, is by getting comfortable with confronting our weaknesses, you see, going into that workout that day, I was pretty nervous. I was a little intimidated, and I was unsure of myself. But by having the courage to face the weaknesses inside of me, I encountered a strength that I didn't even know was there. Because the truth is, strength doesn't come from doing things that you know you can do. Strength comes from overcoming the things you thought you couldn't do. Now, the problem, the problem for for so many Christians today, the, the problem for so many followers of Jesus today is not that we're not strong. It's not that there's not more in us. The problem for so many of us here today is that we are uncomfortable with facing our weaknesses. We want, if we're really honest, we want to do anything but expose and confront our weaknesses. Like we'd rather hide our weaknesses, anybody besides me. We'd rather cover up our weaknesses. We'd rather run from our weaknesses. We'd rather deny our weaknesses. But if we continue to deny our weaknesses, we'll never be able to develop the strength that's there on the inside of us. Somebody say it's there. It's there. It's on the inside of you. But how do you know it's got to be developed? It's got to be brought out. You're stronger than you think. But in, in Mark chapter 12, we see this woman this widow who doesn't appear to be very strong, but we discover that she does something that takes a lot of strength. What I want to do today is I want to, as we study her story, I want to give us four things that we can do to, to grow in our strength, four things we can do to find strength. Maybe you're weak today. Maybe you feel like I got nothing left. Let me give us four ways that we can find strength today from this widow's story, but before we kind of jump into it, let me give us some context as to what's happening in this passage of Scripture. Uh, when Jesus is there with his disciples, this would have been Passover season in Jerusalem, and so uh, Jewish people, Israelites, would have came from all over Israel to come and celebrate Passover. So all of them would have converged in the city of Jerusalem. So the city of Jerusalem would have swollen to like 10 times its normal size. And they're all going to the temple to worship and pay tribute to the king of kings. Well, well, God Almighty, the God who delivered them from Egypt and slavery back in Exodus, right? So they're all going back to remember when God freed them and delivered them. And so when we come to, to this portion of scripture, Jesus and his disciples are going to the temple. I want to show you a picture of what that would have looked like. This is a replica of the temple that King Herod the Great built. Now, it's important for us to understand that when you read Scripture and it talks about Jesus doing so much teaching at the temple, that he would have been in the outer courts. The temple is in the middle. But the temple was for ministry to God, not the instruction for the people. So Jesus did all of his teaching in this outer court known as the court of the Gentiles. 
right? And then we come to Mark chapter 12, and, and Jesus and the disciples would have went to the bottom part of the temple where it, the first section would have been known as the court of women, not because only women were allowed to go in there, but because that's as far as women could go towards the temple. The next court would have been the court of men, just beyond that. And then there would have been the court of priests. Then there was the actual temple with the, with the bread and the altar of incense. And then be, beyond that would have been the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwelt. And so Jesus is with his disciples in the inner place. Now, just so you know how big this would have been, that outer court surrounding the temple, that would have been 15 football fields in, in size, in length. So this was a huge, huge, everybody say huge. It was a huge area, which side note, that top right corner with the four pillows up there in the, in the top right, that would have been the Roman garrison. That's where Pilate would have stayed. That's where Jesus would have been tried. And so they're up on this temple mount. We come to Mark 12, and Jesus and his disciples go in this bottom part where the court of women would have been. This was a very large area, and it was in this place that they would make sacrifices and give offerings in this place. Now, it's important to point out at this time and in, in season, uh, there was only one uh, offering that was required, and that was the half uh, shekel temple tax that every Jewish male had to give one time a year. So this offering that we're reading in Mark chapter 12, this was a voluntary offering. This was not required, especially by this widow. And here we see Jesus and his disciples go into this place. He sits in the court of women and he's watching people give these free will offerings. Let's read it again, Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were, were put at and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So here we see Jesus. He sits down opposite of where they were giving and he watched the crowd put money into the offering bucket. We're actually gonna start this next week. I'm gonna be down and just watching all of you. But in other words, what we see is Jesus, Jesus is standing back and he's people watching. How many people watchers do I have in the house today? Come on, be honest. You love watching people. Whenever I go to like an airport or a mall, I love to sit back and watch people because how many of us know people do some pretty interesting things? I'll just say that, right? This past week, for while our kids were on spring break, we, uh, we took them up to Sandusky, Ohio, and we went to a place called uh, the Great Wolf Lodge. How many of us have been to Great Wolf? I had never been. You guys, I wish you would have warned me before we went. I had never been, and we went there, and um, we discovered nobody wears shoes at Great Wolf Lodge, and nobody wears, they wear their bathing suits everywhere around the hotel. It's basically like Walmart, except you, <laughs> you stay the night there. It was, it was incredible. I'll just say that. Uh, I think we're one and done in my family, but it's a great experience, but I will say Every night, we say there are two nights, every night at nine o'clock, they had a dance party for the kids. Now, something we didn't know is Great Wolf Lodge is more for like the younger kids. Kalahari is more for the older kids. We found that out the hard way. And so, but every night at nine o'clock, there's a dance party in the lobby. They got staff, they play music, and they, they teach the kids how to dance or whatever. And, and so what most normal parents do is bring their kids in, let them go in the middle, and then the parents stand around and watch their kids. But every once in a while, you get a couple parents who go onto the dance floor with their kids 
who should not be on the dance floor with their kids. And uh, I, we, there was this guy. I'm just saying, he had no rhythm. He had no athletic ability whatsoever. He should not have been out there. But, man, he had passion. I don't know if... I don't know. I thought it was his first time to Great Wolf Lodge. I really did, the way he was taking it in. And he was going at it. I mean, he was sweating. He was doing the hands motions. And I look over at Justina, my wife, and she's recording. I'm like, she never records the kids dancing or doing any sports. She's just not that kind of mom. And I look over. She's recording him. <laughs> it was that good. It was that good. And I'm just staring at this guy like, wow, this guy is getting it. Like... He's pushing kids out of his way. He's doing everything. I have video. I have video to prove it. I'm just telling you. So I'm watching him. I mean, I'm not even watching my kids. I don't even know if they're there. I'm watching this guy. And I'm just enjoying it. Like, how, long, how much is he going to go at it? And next thing I know, he, he catches me. He sees me. Have you ever been caught people watching? Like, he looks over at me, and I'm like. <laughs> right? And as, and as soon as he saw me watching him, he immediately like toned it down and just kind of went one of these <laughs> on it. But how many of us know that you behave differently when you know you're being watched? Can I just remind us today that God is always watching? That every part of our lives he sees and he knows what we're doing. And here in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is standing back and he's watching people come by and put money into the temple treasury. But here we are 2,000 years later and we know that there's a God in heaven who continues to watch every move that we make. He sees us when we're out in public and he knows what we're doing behind closed doors. And he's watching. He's watching you know, the other day, I, I dropped my, my son off at, at, at school, and as he was walking up, a, a, a younger girl had gotten dropped off by her parents, and she was walking behind him. And so I was driving away, but I kind of slowed down because I wanted to see, what's my son going to do? Parents, you ever been there? Like, what's, what's he going to do? Is he going to open the door for her, or is he just going to walk in and make her open her own door? Like, am I doing anything right as a parent? Let's find out right here, Right? And it, was, it blessed me because as he's walking in, he knows her, he opens the door, stands back, and he lets her walk in. And I drove off going, yes, that, that's all you, dad. That's all you. That's just good parenting right there. I'm joking. But, but it blessed me because I didn't tell him to do it. He didn't even know I was watching. Well, here, here's a, a fun question we can ask ourselves. Did we bless God with our actions this past week? Like when God was watching us this past week, were our words blessing him? Like when God was watching us this, this past week, were, was our behavior blessing him? Like when God was watching us when nobody else was around, was our behavior and our actions blessing him, bringing blessings to him? Because I don't know about you, but I want to be someone that when God watches my life, it blesses him. Anybody else? We live in a world where everyone wants a blessing. Bless me, God. Bless me, God. And don't get me wrong. We, we need God's blessing in our lives. There's nothing wrong with presenting our request to heaven and asking for his help in our lives. But this widow, this widow teaches us something about strength. This widow teaches us something. And the first thing that we can learn from her story about finding strength is, number one, is understanding that strength is found in being a blessing, not just receiving one. 
Like if there was ever anyone who had a need on the Temple Mount that day, it would have been this woman. It would have been this woman who, I have so many needs, I'm poor, my husband's passed away, I have so many needs, but instead of her coming to get a blessing, she went to the Temple Mount that day to be a blessing, to give a blessing. And I think it's the mature Christian or the strong Christian that says, I don't, want, I don't just want blessings from God, but I want to live my life in such a way that everywhere I go, I want to be a blessing to the one who blessed me. Can I just challenge us just a little bit today, maybe just step on our pinky toe, not the whole toe, but just a little bit? Can we stop coming to church to get a blessing? Can we stop coming in, give me, give me, God, give me? And can we come into this place with a heart that says, man, you've been so good to me, God. And you've done so much for me. You've given me so much more than I deserve. And if you never do anything else in my life, you've already done enough. And I came to worship you and honor you and to bless your name. I want to bless your name. Why? Because he's watching. And what I love about this, this widow in Mark chapter 12 is that that God notices what everyone else overlooks. God sees what everyone else missed. And he notices what nobody else celebrates. Let's speak a word over us today. Maybe, maybe you're at a place right now in your life where you feel overlooked. That nobody sees the contribution that you are making. And you're going through life wondering, man, does anybody even care? Is what I'm doing, it, does it even really matter? I want to encourage us today that, that everyone else might overlook it, but God notices. God's watching and God sees. And because God sees it, because God is watching, if you're taking notes, write this down. I want to challenge us today. Live each day like your life is on display. You know why? Because it is. Jesus is watching people put money into the Temple treasury. Jesus is watching people give their offering. And this widow gives us this beautiful picture of where true strength is found, not in receiving the blessing, but in being a blessing. The story goes on to tell us in Mark chapter 12, verse 41 and 42. Once again, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts. Side note here, I read several commentaries on this passage of scripture and, 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 and a few of them talked about how the, the, the rich people were giving as a spectacle or a show and it was all about them. The only problem I have with that is that's not what the text says. Jesus doesn't say anything, uh, that they're doing anything wrong. He's making the distinction of what this widow gave, but he's not saying these rich, wealthy people did something wrong. How many of us know they're giving to the, the temple? They're giving to the upkeep, uh, upkeep of the temple. They're giving to, to God himself. They're worshiping God too. So God's not saying they did anything wrong. He's not even taking away from their gift. He's making the distinction of, of something that we would probably miss. I just want to point that out. They, what they're doing is awesome. Goes on to say, but a poor widow. Side note that this word poor in the Greek literally means as poor as you can be. Like in our day today, this, this might be someone who's homeless. And all that they have is what they can carry with them. And so this woman, man, she doesn't have anything. 
She doesn't have a house to her name. She's not driving a new donkey around. None of that is going down. This, this poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. So here we see Jesus watching two very different types of people. There's the rich people, and then there's this poor widow. They're both giving an offering. They're both giving, but what we see, there's a large contrast between what God sees as strength and what we view as strength. Like, like the rich people come in, and, and, and they give these large amounts of money, and the rich people in the story represent perceived power, or we could say perceived strength. I mean, so often we can think that strength comes from the things that we've accumulated on this earth. Like, like strength comes from the money or the control or the status. Those are things that represent strength in life. But here Jesus comes and he, he flips one on us and he's pointing out that it's not what we have that makes us strong. It's actually what we give that makes us strong. I hope today that as we gather together as followers of Jesus in God's house, that we would understand that it's not our education. It's not our status. It's not our bank account. It's not our career. It's not our popularity that makes us strong. I mean, don't get me wrong, but those things aren't bad in and of themselves. But those aren't things to build a life upon because those things will not stand the test of time. And if we're not careful, we can get strong in all the wrong areas. Kind of like those people who go to the gym and they only lift chest and arms and they don't lift legs. Have you seen these people? <laughs> and here's the thing. They want to look strong. They don't want to be strong. They, they, they want to look good, but they don't want to be strong like they could be. And the problem is in the church today, we have too many Christians who don't want to lift legs. We want to look strong, we don't want to be strong. We want to look spiritual, we don't want to be spiritual. We want to look free, but we're not free. And if we're not careful, we can be strong in all the wrong areas. And so we have this perceived power with these rich people, but here comes this widow, and she represents a picture of weakness. She, she appears to be completely weak. She's a widow, she's lost her husband. She's lost her livelihood, her status, her identity, her wealth. She's poor. And we see this woman come in and give two copper coins, two mites. Now, once again, this is a voluntary offering. She's not required to give anything. And just so we have a little bit of an idea of what she gave, let me show you a picture of what these two coins would have looked like in, in, in someone's, the palm of someone's hand. These are small little coins, and, and they would be the equivalent for us today uh, of, of about a dollar each. And so we see in our world today, she would probably have $2. She didn't have to give either one of them, yet she gives everything that she has into the temple treasury. Like in the midst of all of these people, she shows up. She puts herself up. There were tens of thousands of people on the temple mount that day in the court of women giving their offering, and yet this homeless woman shows up with the little bit that she has, and she walks on the Temple Mount. I'm sure she, she heard some whispers. I'm sure she might have got a couple looks like, what's she doing? I'm sure she, she might have thought in that moment, man, I don't feel very strong. Like something tells me that she didn't think that she was doing anything great or really significant in that moment. 
She probably didn't think we'd still be talking about her story all these years later. Like it seemed really small and insignificant, but she's teaching us something with her story. In fact, if you're taking notes, the second thing we can learn from her about finding strength and getting stronger is number two is understanding strength is found when we refuse to make excuses. Like if anybody could make an excuse for not going to the temple that day, it would be her. What are, what's my two mites gonna do? What's my two little dollars gonna, all these other people are giving all this great amount. What do I have to give? She doesn't say anything like that. She doesn't make an excuse for herself from participating and going to the temple to worship God that day. She didn't say, man, if I don't show up, nobody's gonna notice. If I don't show up, people are probably gonna be glad that I wasn't there. She doesn't say any of that. She understands that her giving isn't for the approval of people, but for the praise and the worship of her God. I mean, just imagine this moment. This woman comes and she drops in these two coins in the offering and she exposes and she confronts her weaknesses in front of everyone. And as she does, Jesus gathers the disciples together to point out something to them that they probably would have missed. And how many of us know that it's in our weakness God becomes strong? Let me say it like this if you're taking notes, that if you give God your weakness, he will give you his strength. Not deny it, not cover it up, not hide it, but expose it, confront it, and give it to God, and he'll give us his strength. The truth is, I mean, our whole life is on display. We're not living for people's approval because if we keep living for the approval of people, we'll die by their rejection. I know people love us today and don't love us tomorrow. We'll just say it like that. Didn't Jesus, as we're getting ready to celebrate here in the next week, didn't Jesus experience this on Palm Sunday? Rode into the triumphal entry into the city of Jerusalem. People are cheering. People are loving him. We are so glad that you're here. But then when you didn't do what we wanted you to do, how we wanted you to do it, when we wanted you to do it, now we're ready to crucify you. In a week, people went from loving him to hating him, embracing him to rejecting him. And I'm just saying, if they did to Jesus, people will do it to us too. But if we can embrace and confront our weaknesses, man, now we can start to develop our strength. How I many know you're stronger than you think you are? And God wants to give you his strength. The story goes on to say, and in Mark chapter 12, verse 43 and 44, calling all the disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty. Jesus says this woman gave more than everybody else. Wait, well, hold up, Jesus. She gave two bucks. These rich people gave large amounts of money. I also wanna point out that this woman doesn't hear Jesus say these things about her. She doesn't think anybody even notices. She doesn't even think anybody sees her. Everybody there missed it, but Jesus, the only one who really matters, sees it and says, man, this woman has done more than anybody else. And in this, we're learning something about the kingdom of God. We're learning something about how Jesus interprets strength. Like how Jesus defines strength is not by the sum, that strength is, de is defined by the sacrifice. Which brings us to the third point this, this widow is teaching us today about where we can find strength, where we can get stronger. And that is number three, is understanding that strength 
is found when our worship costs us something. It costs her something. If Jesus, how many of Jesus deserves everything, how many of us know he should at least have something? Let me say that. If Jesus deserves everything, he should at least have something. Because these men are giving God these large amounts of money, which is awesome, but Jesus points out that our strength is found in the sacrifice. You guys uh, ever experienced, especially this as parents, I remember doing it as a kid around Christmas time. Uh, they do it through the schools where they allow your kids to go to, like, to Santa's workshop or Santa's North Pole, whatever they call it. And, um, and our kids can buy us presents for Christmas. You guys know what I'm talking about? I was thinking about the irony of that. Like, we give our kids the money. They go in and buy the cheapest gifts that fall apart and break, or they, they buy us a world's greatest dad mug. Come on, somebody. I have like 25 of those. They're on sale in the market. <laughs> Trying to offload them. Right? Then they wrap them up, and then they put them under the tree, and us as parents, we get to go over and unwrap a gift we bought ourselves. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you picking this up for me with the money that I gave you, right? Now, don't get me wrong. It's special. It, it's cute when they're, they're little. But the older they get, like, okay, you're 14. Like, you know, it's no longer cute anymore for you to buy things with my own money and give it to me at Christmas time. But here, here's the point. It, it didn't cost our kids anything, right? It didn't cost them anything. I just want to point out what Jesus is trying to teach to us in this story because, I mean, God doesn't need anything from us. God, God doesn't need our money. That's not what the point of this is. The point is that God is looking for people who will love them with all of their heart, with all of their mind, with all of their soul, and with all of their strength. How many of the Bible tells us that God is seeking throughout the earth, looking for a heart that's completely his? That's the whole point of this story because you don't give the last two dollars to your name in this free will offering unless God has all of you. That's what he's pointing out to the disciples. Look at this woman. She gave everything. She had. Look at what she sacrificed. She went all in. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. That's what Jesus is pointing out to us in this story. And what's important for us to, to understand as we talk about strength is that it's not found, strength isn't found in the mountaintops of life when everything is going our way. I know strength is found in the valley of our struggles. Strength isn't proved when we're walking in power. Strength is proved when we're walking in our weaknesses. We don't discover our strength in the good times. We find out how strong we are in the tough times. Didn't Solomon say in the Proverbs, if you falter in times of trouble, how small or how weak is your faith? You see, anybody can love God when everything's going their way, but can we worship and love God in the dry and difficult seasons of life? I think, it's important to, I think it's important to praise God in the seasons of prosperity, but this widow, she worships God from her poverty. And she says, man, I'm stronger. I'm stronger than you think that I am. It might look like I'm weak, but because of my sacrifice, man, I am strong. I might not be strong in the things that you consider to be strength, 
but I'm strong in the things that really matter. I'm strong in God. I'm strong in his presence. I'm strong in his word. I'm strong in my identity. I'm strong in being who he's called me to be. I'm not living for the approval of people. I'm living for an audience of one. And anyone can be strong because anyone can sacrifice. But how many of us know it takes faith? If we're going to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, it comes with a price. And that price is our life. That price is a sacrifice. I want to close with this, this passage of scripture in our fourth point. Mark chapter 12, verse 44. It says, they all gave out of their wealth, but she, this widow, she gave out of her poverty, and she put in everything, all she had to live on. You see, the rich gave what they wouldn't really miss, but this woman gave what she could never even afford. Which leads me to our fourth and final point where we find strength and we get stronger. Number four is understanding that strength is found when we give all that we have. Here it is, God. When we give all that we have, how many know we don't have less, we actually have more? This is the principle of sowing and reaping, that we always reap more than we sowed. What we keep is all that we have, but what we sow, God multiplies. And we started out talking about CrossFit and my amazing accomplishment in completing the Murph. I just want to sit there for a little bit and kind of rehash that, no. But I was thinking about, you know, how every Memorial Day, the CrossFit community does that workout called the Murph. And it's named after the Navy SEAL Lieutenant Michael Murphy, who sacrificed his life for his country and for his SEAL team brothers. In fact, they even made a movie about Michael Murphy called The Lone Survivor. But the whole idea behind that work, workout is that every Memorial Day, we would get together and do this Murph, and we would suffer just a little bit for 59 minutes and 59 seconds to remember the sacrifice of those who have gone before us so that we can live in freedom today. And so the challenge for all of us today as we study this story from this, this widow in Mark chapter 12, the challenge isn't for us to go home and clear out our bank accounts or go home and pack up our stuff and move to a third world country and go be a sacrifice for Jesus. The challenge is to remember the price that our Savior paid on the cross, to remember the sacrifice of our King. When Jesus laid down his life for each and every one of us to give us this life we never thought possible so that we could live in freedom today. Like this widow gave out of her poverty. She put in everything. All she had to live on. All she had to live on. And if we want to live on, if we want the story of our lives to be told after we're gone, if we want to live for more than just a dynasty and we actually want to be a part of the legacy of Jesus, if we want to honor the name that's above every single name, if we want to find strength in our weakness, the way that we do that is to go all in and say, God, I give you my heart. I give you my mind, I give you my soul, and I give you my strength. I might feel weak today, God, but in Christ, come on, in Christ, you are stronger than you think. Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you in this place. We thank you for the story of this widow and her sacrifice and her faith. 
this example that she gives to us about going all in. As we just come before you today, every head bowed, every eye closed, can we just pray this prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, come on, pray it right where you're at. Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? We pray this because we don't wanna just be a hearer of God's word, we wanna be a doer. We wanna respond to heaven. What's our next step? Maybe for some of us, it's to stop making excuses. What I've learned about excuses is there'll always be one. There'll always be a reason. There'll always be an excuse. It'll always make sense. But this woman says, my strength is found when I don't make excuses. Maybe for others of us, we've just had this mentality of always coming to God to get something. As we studied this widow's story, we realized Strength's found in being a blessing, not just receiving one. Whatever it is today, God, we want to respond to you. Maybe it's going all in. Maybe this message was for you today. Maybe it's time. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me, the world behind me. I've decided, maybe that's you today in this place. It's time to decide. I'm going all in with God. I wanna love you with all of my heart, God, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, and all of my strength. Here's my life. If that's you, would you lift your hand to heaven? Here's my heart. Today I'm going all in. Today I'm deciding. Here I am, God. This isn't just a prayer. This isn't just an emotional experience. I'm deciding today to follow Jesus. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross, to give me a life I never even thought possible, to bring forgiveness to my heart, healing to my life. Nobody loves me the way you do, God. Thank you that you still believe in me, that you still have a plan for my life. And today I'm deciding to follow Jesus. Here's my heart. God, fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, let's give God some praise for what he did in this place today. So good.